Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Bree with Brown Girl Self Care. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode with me today. Hope you're having a great Monday. Um, I know that Mondays are sometimes tough. We're like having awesome weekends, awesome Fridays, hanging out, chilling, taking care of ourselves, doing all that great stuff, spending time with the family. And then Monday rolls around. And I find that if you are not necessarily walking in your strengths or your purpose, uh, Mondays are kind of hard. So I hope that um, you are settling into a great Monday. I hope that you're in great spirits. And I hope that all things are well for you. So um, with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Um, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kiara Carter. And Kiara is uh, a certified yoga instructor as well as she's an entrepreneur. Um, She owns a skincare line that's named Yokini Organics. And um, actually, one thing you'll notice is I probably will end up connecting with a lot of go-getters and entrepreneurs because I find that for some reason, that is what I'm attracted to. And, you know, those type of ladies are attracted to me and we just kind of connect. So you'll notice that that is a running theme for the show. Uh, In any case, Kiara um, shared with me today how therapy helped her to release years of suppressed emotions and unhealthy beliefs. We talked about parenting and and living life, having to kind of go back home and live with her dad for a while and how that worked out for her. Um, And also we talked about navigating her sex life as a young adult and learning to set boundaries and and things of that nature. So um, let's go ahead and get into this episode and I will be back at the end. Hey, beautiful brown girl, Kiara, are you with me? I am. How are you? I am fantastic today. How are you? I'm doing well. For the listeners, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, Well, yeah, thank you so much for answering my call. Um, I'm really excited to be able to jump on and speak with you and connect. Um, So my name is Kiara. I am a yoga instructor and um, an entrepreneur um, located in Houston, Texas. I moved last year to Houston from the East Coast, um, just switching from like working full time and moving into entrepreneurship. So that's kind of how I ended up here. 
And I would imagine that picking up and just moving from the East Coast to just a totally different area, a different region, a different state, was that something that you found that was, was it, uh, was there a reason that you did that? Or was it just like a spur, not the spur of a moment, but like just you're ready for a change. And so you just decided just to move forward or was there like a huge decision making process for you? Um, it was a big decision. Um, I had planned it for probably about a year before I actually moved. I had the idea in my mind and setting the intention that um, that move was going to be something that happened. So I had to manifest it over time. It wasn't like an up and move kind of thing. Um, but um, I did most of the the reason why I moved was just because I did want something new. I knew that there was more that I was supposed to be doing. Um, and so it was kind of like a leap of faith, even though it I planned it out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But there was really something that was like drawing me to, okay, you need to make this move because it'll just shift things and kind of make things happen. So um, it was something that I had to just believe in myself to do, even though I had had planned on doing it. I didn't know exactly what was going to be here for me once I did arrive. Hmm. How did you get over that fear? Or did you <laughs> did you completely ever get over that fear? Like, how did you just just say, I'm just going to go for it? Like, how did you get over yeah, that hurdle? I don't think you do get over the fear. Like, I don't think there was a moment where I was just like, OK, now I'm fearless and I'm doing this. It was like, I am scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so yeah, it's just like learning to move with the fear um, is something that I've picked up along the way. And that applies to, I mean, my business now and everything that I'm doing even today is um, always moving with the fear. When you know that something is going to be, when you know that you're being called to do something or, or something mm -hmm. is going to be beneficial for your life. It's going to be a level up. It is going to be scary, but I just, I've learned to just move through that fear and walk with it. Mm, I love that. I am still kind of, uh, I have some things that I haven't quite made the leap on yet. So yeah. it's always fascinating for me to hear like other strong women, you know, that just said, you know, I'm going to be okay. And I'm just going to go for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you did that. Yeah. And I just think that's, I, I salute you. I think that's absolutely incredible. So mm -hmm. kudos to you for that, sis. Um, so in the email that you sent me, because we're just going to go ahead and just get to like some of this nitty gritty stuff. Because like I said, mm -hmm. your life has just been, it's been, uh, I don't want to say an amazing journey because that's not the right word, but it's just, you've had a lot of life experiences that have kind of mm -hmm. shaped you into the woman, the strong woman that you are today. So yeah. you mentioned in your email that you started in April on April 16th, 2018, to be exact, you went to your first therapy session mm -hmm. and you went every single week since then. And I am assuming that yeah. you're still doing that. Right. I am. So mm -hmm. can you, okay. So can you give us like a little bit of background on why you decided that starting therapy when you did was like the best decision for you? Um, yeah. So I have a um, bachelor of science in psychology. 
Um, I've also been to therapy when I was a little bit younger in my teenage years, around 15. Um, so I was, but I didn't go for like as long. I had seen a therapist maybe a couple of times. Um, and that mm-hmm. experience really wasn't even all that great back when I was a teenager. Um, but so I was familiar with therapy. Um, I kind of, I, I knew about it because I had, it was part of my studies in college. Um, and I got to a point last year where I just didn't know where to go. I, I knew that I had all of these things that I had, had experienced in my life that probably had a lot to do with um, how sad I was, how angry I was, my relationship with my parents, um, just all of that got to be too much. And I was like, I have to sort this out. Like, I know what the issues are, but I'm, I, I need to, to speak with someone to kind of figure out everything that's in my head and, um, really try to heal from some of the experience. I know that it, I'm having a difficult time getting over, um, and really just become the best version of myself. So mm. I got to a point where I was like, all right, this has to happen. Like I, I don't have any other choice except to go talk to somebody and, and let this weight that I've been carrying for 24 years yeah. off. Like I need to let it all go. Um, in a way that, you know, cause I have a very supportive, uh, family, but Sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to speak with somebody who is uninterested in, you know, like a, a third party that has nothing to do with the kind of the situations. A lot of yeah. some of the situations had to do with my family. So it's like I need somebody else that I can just, you know, without any reservation, lay it all on mm-hmm. the table and say, <laughs> where do I go from here? And mm. so that is what. Um, my relationship with my therapist has looked like is really mm-hmm. just laying things on the table and saying, well, okay, what does this mean? What What is it that happened? And what does this mean for the present moment? Mm-hmm. So mm. it's been an incredible So when journey. you started, oh, for sure, for sure. When you started, um, and we're going to go back into some of your history because of some of the things that you mentioned in your email. But I want to ask you, like, mm-hmm. how did you know that it was time for ther- therapy? Like, what was your did you have a breaking point? Was there like something that had like triggered it to where you said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I need to go ahead. I know you said that you um, were having those feelings internally of like internally of like being sad and angry and all that stuff. But was there something that kind of brought things to a head for you? Yeah, uh, it was. The move, so the move to Houston, um, my dad is actually located in Houston. Um, so I moved here, um, and I moved in with him just so that I could kind of get settled and familiar with the city. Um, and, and moving back in to the house with my dad, I realized that my relationship with my father was not, um, as strong and healthy as I had painted it to be in my mind because my, I mean, my father mm. is an incredible man. He's always been um, present in my life. I haven't always lived with him because him and my, my mom aren't together. Um, but I had kind of painted this picture of my relationship with him and just kind of like never, 
I would have never described myself as um, a girl with quote unquote daddy issues or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, my father is a great man and he's always been present, but um, moving back in with him and kind of being an adult in interacting with him on a day to day and um, realizing how really uncomfortable and unfamiliar uh, I felt around him was like, Mm-hmm. It was jarring. It was to feel like that, you know, towards your own parent is like, well, wait a minute, where did we go wrong here? Like, why is this not how I remember it when I lived with him when I was younger? Like, why am I so on? Why am I so uncomfortable? Um, so I had to kind of explore that. But that was it was like I said, it was jarring and it was kind of like a wake up call. And I was like, wait a minute, you know. I would imagine that me moving back in with, for example, like my mom would be really, really hard. Like, I don't even think that I would. We've had this conversation before and I just had to be honest with her and just be like, <laughs> no, I can't. I can not like under very limited circumstances. Of course, <laughs> if she had an emergency or there was an issue, but let's just leave all that out of the equation. Right. Yeah. There's no way that I would be able to do that because our relationship is just, I don't even know how to explain it. I just, and I can appreciate you saying how jarring it was to, to have that experience because it just wasn't either what you remembered or perhaps you had matured or he might've mm-hmm. changed along the way. Everyone changes, you know, as time progresses. So I can imagine just how jarring that must have been to be in that situation. How long did you um, live with him or are you still living with him right now? So I um, survived for 10 months. <laughs> uh, after the 10 months, I was like, okay. So, so last uh, October was when I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> move on to uh, my own space and we can, mm-hmm. we'll go from here. Um, mm-hmm. but that, that was a pretty long time. I was surprised because yeah. I mean, I started going to therapy in April. So I was only four months into me being in Houston. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I was able to, you know, stay and, um, a lot of it was financial as well because I moved to a new city mm-hmm. and I was switching from, you know, working full time to kind of figuring things out on my own. Um, it was really beneficial to be living uh, with my dad. So it was kind of one of those decisions where it was like, okay, sure. I could just up and move out because I'm a little bit uncomfortable and trying to, um, figure things out with my dad. But, uh, you know, it was one of those sacrifices that I just had to make and say, you know, just need to, to humble myself and be able Mm -hmm. to stay here because it's the best situation for me at the time. Mm, I see. I, I'm not able. I just can't. I cannot do it. I cannot. I cannot do it. So like I said, yes. more power to you because nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I just can't do it. And I know that is immature and I'm, it's, it's probably petty and I surely do need to humble myself. Now, if I didn't have my job or things got really crazy, I know that I could, but I think yeah. we would, I, <laughs> I think it's something about mothers and daughters. It, yeah. you know, not to to downplay, you know, the interaction that you had with your dad, but I think it's just a different between a daughter and her dad, and a daughter 
and her mother. And there's no way in hell. Mm -hmm, Ain't no way in hell. And she had even said that she wanted to um, move in with me at some point just so she could just save some money. So she can kind of do some stuff that she wanted to do. Um, Not because she needed to, because she doesn't, but just, you know, she's like, well, we can save some money, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, honest to God, I considered it. I tried my best. I was like weighing the pros and cons, you know, like Martin Lawrence when he's like thinking about, or Shanae, when she's thinking about different, you know, alternatives or whatever. That was literally me. And ultimately I said, I can't, I cannot do it. So yeah, no, I just can't. I cannot get it. Yeah. Now maybe I've just literally started going back to therapy and that's definitely something that I'm working through. But right now, um, Mm-mm. Jesus himself would have to come down and tell me <laughs> that I need to go ahead and do this because other than that, baby, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I give you your props for that. Thank so you. in your message, yeah, you had mentioned that um, you, you know, shit had hit the fan and you were just unpacking some stuff that had happened like along the way in your life. And I wanted to kind of touch upon that. So I know that you had dealt with some uh, sexual abuse as a child. Mm-hmm. And also in regards to your parents, like there were some things going on with your mom and some things going on um, with your dad that just made things a little more difficult. Um, can you share with me about kind of what it was like growing up for you and and yeah. how that trauma kind of molded and changed you? Yeah. So um, I guess to start, you know, I grew up, like I said, my parents were um, separated, but the majority of my life, I lived with my mom. Um, And like so many other women, uh, there was some sexual abuse while I was a child um, where I was molested. But at Mm -hmm. the time, um, children are so resilient. So I really don't feel like it affected me in mm-hmm. any way until I got older and it it kind of manifested itself differently and I had to go back and revisit it because really throughout my childhood and my teenage years I really didn't think about it much like I was just like okay you know it was a, a situation that was handled and it never happened again um mm-hmm. so it was like you know I kind of just moved on and lived my life my the rest of my childhood So I had to revisit that once I did uh, become an adult and I started to realize, you know, maybe by chance that experience has shaped the way I interact with men today Um, Mm, mm -hmm. and, you know, the way that I carry myself today or the way that I feel about myself today. um, All of that is is so connected. And so I had to explore that. as I got older, uh, my relationship with my far- parents began to change because you, you know, look at them when you're so young as like these perfect people who have all the answers. Uh, but that changed very quickly as I got older and I started to apply for colleges and then I went to college uh, that it all kind of changed. So I think that with my mom, it changed um because I was living with her uh, when I started high school and uh, not long into my, like that school year, uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so mm. it was just me and her in the house. 
uh, and things just started to change because she was dealing with something uh, that mm-hmm. kind of, and, and the way my mom is, she's such a strong woman. Like she um, has always been so strong for my brother and I, I have an older brother mm-hmm. um, in the in a way that she doesn't really um, show her uh, emotions or doesn't really like get into I guess what am I trying to say here like was she not affectionate or like it's not that she wasn't affectionate she was very affectionate to me towards me but Mm -hmm. um I guess she just she was just so strong like I never saw my mom cry so so Mm. things like that and so with her dealing with um breast cancer uh she kind of, it was kind of like a checking out type of thing. Like I, I had to learn to um, do a lot of things for myself, uh, mm. more things than I guess your typical 13 or 14 year old would be able to do. But I became very independent and I, I kind of just picked up on things because my mom was um, not able to at the time. Uh, so that changed our relationship. Uh, and. I'm not living with my dad at the time, but I'm growing into this young woman. Um, And then I end up going to college. There's disagreements between my parents about who's paying for college. So it turns out that Mm. nobody paid for college. And so I'm in this situation where I have um, student loans and now I'm uh, 21, just graduated college and drowning in debt and I'm angry with my parents about it because I'm like how did we get to this point like and oh, and so wow. it was difficult for me as well because I'm like well you know I can't blame anybody else for this situation except me because I decided to stay in school when they told me that they uh could not or would not uh help financially um mm-hmm. So I had to work that out too. I had to work out like, you know, that anger and and being angry at myself, but then at the same time, um, understanding that it wasn't all my fault and that that's okay. Um, And to just get past the anger, just get past that so that I could work on the relationship with my parents. Yeah. That's amazing. So I can imagine that that would be super, especially when you're so young and you're just like, okay, I just want to go to school, get my education. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, things just kind of go haywire. And yes, you did make the decision to stay in school. Um, however, having to pay however many thousands of dollars, you know, had to be repaid. That's a big responsibility. So right. I can imagine that you would be just kind of pissed you know, mm-hmm. that you're saddled with this debt and things didn't go the way um, you had intended and your parents are just saying, well, you know, and you're kind of like stuck holding the bag financially, even though, yeah. I mean, I guess you saw the writing on the wall, but you didn't maybe think it was going to come to that extent. You know what I mean? So I can Especially imagine how angry you would have been. When you think about it, um, someone deciding about school is 16 years old. You know, when you're applying to, mm-hmm. to colleges and stuff like that, you're 16, 17 years old. And then you finally go to college. I um, mm-hmm. started college when I was 17. So I was so young. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah. then 
my sophomore year was the year that um, I started to take out the student loans because, I mean, things had just unfolded and people were arguing and it was just like it came to Mm. I had to figure it out myself. Um, And so Mm -hmm. at that point, I'm now 18. I'm 18 making decisions about the rest of my life financially. You know, I'm taking out these loans that are like, (laughs) I'm paying on for the next 30 years of my life. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting that dynamic. um, Anyway, just the structure of uh, kind of Mm -hmm. school and student loans in America is like, um, yes. I mean, the I guess the average person, sure, might have their parents kind of helping them through um, making those decisions. But that's not what it always looks like. Like, we don't always have that, especially in our community. A lot of times, you know, the people that I know are the they're first to go to college. Yes. And so it's like, how, if I don't have that guidance and direction um, from a, a guardian or a parent who knows about uh, student loans and taking out loans and credit, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, what, what about me? Like, where, where, where did that leave me? Yeah. It's like, we're, we are kind of behind the eight ball to my knowledge. No one in my family has graduated yet. Or if, if someone has, I don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, not from a four-year college or gone on to get, you know, masters or bachelors or anything like that. So when I went to school, I thought I was going to be the first and I just, the mindset wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. for you to have that mindset and smash out that degree and just get it done. I mean, I got to salute you for that because at 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, hell, even 21, 22 years old, at least for me, my mindset just was not there, period. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I never completed college. You know what's interesting? Um, is that the only reason I was able to do that is actually because Mm -hmm. of what I had gone through when I was a teenager, when I had to start picking up and figuring things out and being very independent because, um, of the, the home dynamic with my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. so being able to be very independent and figure things out for myself at such a young age actually helped me to make some of those decisions. Um, once I got a little bit older, I'm, you know, still 18, but I'm able to make kind of sound decisions that still made sense. They still even make sense today. Like, yes, I have to pay student loans, but that is totally okay today, you know, because I have my education. I have that experience, um, of going to college. I've met so many amazing people who, it, it literally would, it, it's going to be lifelong friendship. Um, and so mm-hmm. the, it's the experience of going to college was really priceless to me. But um, some of the traumatic things I had been through and had to deal with actually helped me to um, be mm. able to move through that experience. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths.
Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black girl peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Way anti-frizz cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze anti-frizz cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code self-care for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code self-care. That's amazing. So you were able to take or create some tools mm-hmm. from the experiences that you had, Yeah, which is unfortunate, you know what I mean? That it had to come that way, but you were able to take the challenges that you were faced with and Mm -hmm. spin it for a positive in a lot of ways. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, we've talked about school and I know you have your degree in psychology and things worked out. Um, but you mentioned something before that I wanted to kind of go back to. You said that, um, your interaction with men and with dating was kind of skewed. What were you experiencing? So it was difficult for me to uh, get past the 
and I feel like this is going to be a very millennial term, <laughs> but the talking stage. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. dating now uh, is, I mean, I, I want to say it's different, but I really don't know if it's truly all that different because I have only lived in the time that I'm living now. But it was very difficult for me to kind of fit in and conform with the way that dating is nowadays, it was very uncomfortable to me uh, because it's like you're talking to this person and, and people are having sex without titles and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I think that it just sex to me had not always mm-hmm. been such a comfortable thing in the first place because it was um, mm-hmm. and I have learned this through therapy. It wasn't something that was presented to me. Um, or I was like directly taught about or anything like that. It was like, you know, I had seen the weird period videos that they play in um, school. And uh, (laughs) my stepmom gave me this book about like, oh yeah, your left boob might be bigger than your right. And that's okay. But it's Mm -hmm. like, nobody really, I learned about sex just through interacting, like hearing about it. Um, so finally when I, when I got older and I started to date, um, I just didn't, I had no idea what I was doing to be honest. I think that, (laughs) that was the issue is that my parents weren't together. I hadn't spent much time living, uh, with my dad and my stepmom. So I had never really seen like a functional, um, healthy marriage because my mom was single, um, and so it was it was just difficult for me to kind of navigate um through college and after that um dating uh and setting boundaries for myself and um being like completely comfortable in whatever situation oftentimes I would be like, "Uh, oh, I'm not too comfortable, but you know, I really like him so and I know that he likes me so uh, I guess this is what we're doing. Like, okay, you know, just kind of following along. Things were happening to mm-hmm. me instead of me being an active part in, you know, trying to build a, a healthy relationship with somebody. Um, so yeah, it was just, I feel like it was a mess. <laughs> when I look back on it, I'm like, <laughs> what in the world was going on? Like, why was I even <laughs> talking to him? Like he he showed wow. me that I should not yes. have been even in that situation yet. Here I was still trying to put this effort in, even though all the signs were there that, you know, say this guy completely was not even interested in me yet. <laughs> Here I was. So um, mm. a lot of, I think it was a lot of self-love um, stuff that I had to work out and move um, towards and really just be confident in myself. Um, and know that, you know, I am okay alone as well, because it's like, I kind of was always like, oh, well, you know, talking to this guy and, you know, seeing this guy. And it, there was never really, I don't know that I um, spent too much time just being with myself and enjoying my own company. Um, I always felt like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I want to go to the movies or want to go get something to eat. You gotta, I, I'd really, like to find a guy to do that with right now. So, and, and so now I've gotten super comfortable with doing that by myself. I enjoy the company of 
other people, but it doesn't have to be there. Hmm. Is that a shift that you started to, is that a shift that started to happen once you kind of were doing your therapy or is that something that started shifting for you before therapy even started? Definitely after therapy. Um, after therapy mm-hmm. was when I was able to kind of take a step back. Um, and I was doing so much healing work and homework. My therapist sends me home with homework that it was like, I literally didn't have like the time or the energy really to date um, because healing is exhausting. It really is. While it mm-hmm. is such a, a <laughs> beautiful experience to go through, it is so tiring. And I, I don't think people understand that unless they are actively um, doing it or have have gone through um, things that they have actively tried and consciously tried to, um, begin to heal. Um, but I didn't, I really just didn't have the time. I was like, and I would, I was so uncomfortable with the things that were coming up that I really didn't mm-hmm. even want to be around anybody. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like mm. I'm, I'm learning so many things about myself. It really, it felt like I was turning into a different person because I was releasing things that I had learned along the way that were really defense mechanisms um, or things that I had picked up to keep me safe. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like wide open at the time. So it would have, I don't think it, and even today I'm still like not, I spend a lot of time by myself. I don't really date um, because I do feel like wide open. I do feel like I'm, I'm still I'm becoming the best version of myself and it's difficult for me um, to let go of who I was in the past. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to walk forward and move into a better, healthier version of myself. Mm, I love it. And I love the fact that you're, you're doing the steps. You're, you're doing it now. Like you're not waiting until you're like in your forties or fifties. I don't, actually, I don't even know how old you are, but I'm assuming you're probably in your twenties or thirties, but you're not waiting until you're like, late 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you're taking the steps now to to heal and mm-hmm. to learn more about who you are, what you like, what things you want to do, what your goals are, and putting yourself yeah. first so that you are becoming a whole person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you're going to meet that other whole person, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm sure it'll happen when it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So funny that that you bring that up because I I was actually having that conversation with somebody um, the other day where I mean, I was saying like, I feel um, I feel whole. Like, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like there is um, my other half is out there because I'm not half. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm a whole being. And then I'll come together with another whole being and that um, force that we will create is like, it, it will be, I mean, it'll, it'll just be beautiful. Um, I'm manifesting that now. Um, and All right now, sis. <laughs> so I mean, yes. if I pop up married, that's why, but no, but uh, <laughs> I yes. did, I had to, I, I had to work through that. Um, and I had to really, it was surprising to me um, to find out how insecure I truly was um, because I had mm. never identified as someone that was insecure growing up. 
you know, I never, mm-hmm. I never lacked um, attention. I, I wasn't bullied. Like, I mean, it took me a while to realize like, oh, wait a minute. Like I actually am quite insecure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So where do you think that stemmed from? Was it just like a collection of, of just everything? Or is there like one thing that you can pinpoint that really kind of tipped the scales to where you just knew that you, you know, that you just start those insecurities started, started building up? Um, I think that, I I think it's a, I don't know that there's like any one experience that kind of sparked all of my insecurity. I think that it's a mixture of mm-hmm. um, the distant relationship that I had with my father and mm-hmm. um, him being a military man. Uh, so he is not uh, all that affectionate. I didn't have your typical like cute daddy daughter relationship that um, mm-hmm. you see because a, a lot of our relationship was us um, connecting over the phone and me seeing him over the summer and stuff like that. And so, you know, I never um, got that kind of being loved on by my father in that way and uh, kissed on by him and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that is kind of where um, some of the insecurities came and and some of the difficulties Mm -hmm. with me interacting with men because I didn't Mm-hmm. I just, I guess I just wasn't sure like what was normal and what wasn't normal. Like what, what I should be feeling and what I shouldn't be feeling. Like, uh, it, it sounds crazy to say that it's like, okay, you know, setting boundaries when you're uncomfortable saying, no, I'm uncomfortable with that and I don't want to do it, but I had to learn how to do that. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. I think right that with yeah, the the insecurity though just came from, I guess that not knowing, uh, not not mm-hmm. being too sure, and so then it's like oh well, you know I I think as um a, another point or another kind of component to that um is that I have always uh kind of used people's perception of me as far as like my beauty and stuff like that to get attention. And so then out mm-hmm. like when I'm starting to get older and that matters less to me, I'm like, well, would people like me just for my personality as well? Like, I'm not too sure because I've just always been using hmm. this. I'm cute type of, of thing to get the attention. But, um, I, I don't think that I was so insecure with what was on the inside. Uh, and maybe that was because I knew that I had to work some things out on the inside. I wasn't my best version, the best ver- version of myself on the inside. So um, working that out helped me to grow that uh, that security and um, that self-love because it's like, okay, I know that I am beautiful on the outside and on the inside now. Mm-hmm. Mm. I related to a lot of what you're saying just now a lot. 
um, from just the insecurity and, and just the relationship with your dad um, or with my dad, I should say, or lack thereof. Um, I think people don't really appreciate or understand how their actions affect their children, like mm-hmm. absenteeism and just things like that. And they just have such a long reaching effect that can go from generation to generation that I, I, I'm learning. And I'm glad that you're taking the steps to, to do that internal work. And it's awesome. How amazing is it? And I can totally relate to this, that you are saying that right now you're just focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. You're getting yourself straight, making sure that you are a whole ass woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you know, you're not really focused on the other stuff right now. You're just focused on making sure that you're good. I think yeah. a lot of us need to really work on that and not just focus on other people and jump from relationship to relationship or, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that it's amazing that you're doing that because I'm doing something very similar. Like dating is not a priority for me right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just not. And that has its own set of, I don't want to say challenges, but it has its own set of, um, I guess, issues, if you will. People might think you're crazy or look at you funny and you haven't people dated in how long me. or, you know, what? Like people mm-hmm. don't believe me, me. Too. and I'm just like, is it is it so crazy that I could actually be just really focusing on myself right now, and and that's what mm-hmm. I want to do? Like it, I, so I, I definitely I relate to that because, I mean, I deal with that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing that people are so quick to not judge. That's not the right word. So quick to just. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but they're just quick to like label or, or have an opinion, I guess, mm-hmm. on the fact that you are okay with being single. Mm-hmm. You're not in a rush to get into a relationship. You're good just doing you. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, I've met a lot of opinion, you know, and disbelief and shock and, oh, we've got to get you hooked up, honey, and, and all mm-hmm. those kind of things. And I'm just like, you know, no, I, I'm good. I'm straight, you know, I'm, I'm straight. So yeah, I can totally relate to that. So I think that question, how was, oh, go okay. ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to just make a point to that. That's uh one of those things that I had to let go of is kind of finding that validation in va- dating where it's like, um, you know, it's not, it's no longer scary to be completely single and focusing on myself. And that's okay. Because for some reason we do have this societal um, idea that just dating is like so important and the worth of mm-hmm. a woman depends on like, and it, like she couldn't possibly want to be single. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> you want to be single. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need to hook you up with, with this, that, and the third, like I have a friend for you. So yeah. Um, that was one of the things that I had to let go uh, during therapy and move closer to. Well, I tell you, if I start collecting cats and getting into an uh, an old maid in the shoe kind of situation, I will be sure <laughs> to get out there. But for mm-hmm. now, I'm yeah. I'm 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 doing just fine. And literally, just the other day, um, Kiara, I had a thought like, and it was very brief. And it, and it, it lasted for like a minute or two and then it went away. But I can tell that the healing work that I'm doing is working because for like a brief moment, I was open to dating. Like Mm -hmm. I just had that thought and I, and it was a comfortable thought for me. It wasn't like 
because usually I would just shut it down like no 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 but I had this thought and it and I've had thoughts where I'm like oh I sure wish I because sometimes you get lonely obviously mm-hmm. but it wasn't that kind of thought it was a le- like legit like thought of a relationship with mm-hmm. another human being and I mm-hmm. didn't immediately turn it away or throw it away it was yeah. just a nice thought that I held with me and then it left and I was like, okay, I think this healing work that I'm doing is really starting to work because I was open to it. And that was a yeah. really beautiful feeling. Wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how was therapy received by your parents, by the way? I'm just curious. Did they have anything to say or an opinion about that or were they cool with it? Um, They're cool with it as far as like me actually going. My parents have always been um supportive in whatever it is that I want to do. They're not going to try to stop me or deter me. Um my mm-hmm. mom uh was very happy to hear that, you know, I was working on uh some of the things. I I've been very transparent with them um about my my journey with therapy. And because my dad was living in Houston um and or is living in Houston and uh we were going through our kind of relationship things at the time I had invited him to um, go to therapy, come to therapy with me. Um, And I mean, he basically, he said, no, Uh, he was like, I'm glad that it worked for you. uh, But it wasn't something Mm -hmm. that he would be interested in doing. And interestingly enough, um, that was kind of like my final I had, that was when I realized that I had to accept my father for who he was, um, and love him unconditionally in the exact way that he is. Uh, because at first Mm -hmm. it hurt. I was like, you know, wow, he's telling me that he wants our relationship to get better and he wants me to be comfortable and he's not too sure. Um, how we've gotten to this point and why uh we're not as close as we thought we were and I'm like but he he obviously wouldn't do anything for his daughter the relationship with his daughter if you can't come to therapy with me like I'm, I I don't think it was asking for much but I had to respect that I had to respect his decision mm-hmm. um and know that you know that doesn't mean he loves me any less um Right. People people deal with their own um things and I have no idea what my dad has been through. I have no idea what he's um what he may be kind of trying to suppress. Like maybe maybe there's something he doesn't want to come up. Like he does he doesn't want to address mm-hmm. and that's that's okay. I can't force anybody else to heal. Um I can only control Kiara. So um that was his kind of reaction to me going to therapy and me inviting him um, to therapy really allowed me to actually get closer to him um, because I I started to feel more compassion for him and just understand where he may have been coming from. So it was easier for me to let go of the anger uh, that I had towards him because I was just like, okay, you know, I have to love him regardless. Like I I do love him regardless. Sometimes you just have to meet people where they are and be okay with that, which you completely were, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and just not focus on trying to change someone um, or get them to do things that you feel would be beneficial to them or to you or both. Um, just have to let them do what they think is best. And you just keep going along your path and you continue to have that relationship that you have, that you have with them, mm-hmm. you know, one that serves you, but you're still allowed to do your own thing and get the healing that you need in your own way. And sometimes exactly. that's just how it is, but it's awesome that you had that, that realization and you were cool with it and you were able to just keep going mm-hmm. because some people would stop like it would just be a major roadblock you know what yeah. i mean but it wasn't yeah. for you yeah so as what were you gonna say oh no i was just saying yeah i was agreeing oh <laughs> yeah so as we kind of wrap up here um i know that you said you've been working with a therapist if you don't mind can you share maybe like the biggest aha you might have had while in therapy, something that just really helped you just get your life and things started to make sense or feel like you were really getting that healing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think that one of the most important things that I've taken away from being in therapy for over a year uh, is that healing and happiness are not destinations. Um, so you will never hmm. get to a point where you'll say, oh, I'm healed or um, you kind of have to like there's, there's never there's always going to be more work to do. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are not happy. Uh, it, it's just all about kind of moving. And as things go along, you continue to heal and you decide to be happy through all of that. Instead of just saying, oh, when when I finally get that boyfriend, I'll be happy. When I finally get this job, I'll mm-hmm. be happy. And it's kind of like you're working towards destinations. But of course, once you get that boyfriend, you're like, well, now I, I want this and that'll make me happy now. Mm-hmm. And you get that job and you're like, OK, well, now I have that security of the job. But it, that's just it's just how we work as humans. We always want to we always want better for ourselves. Um, So not you know, putting happiness as kind of the destination, like, oh, I'll finally be happy when this happens and just know that happiness is is just something that you can always have, even if you do have work to do, even if you do have healing to do. Um, And as far as healing not being a destination, it's like, sure, I can address all of this stuff that I've um, dealt with in during my childhood, but I'm still living my life things come up all the time where I'm like now this is too much (laughs) you know this is (laughs) we need to you know relationships and things that have happened recently that you know I go into my therapist's office and we we start to discuss um it's always it's a constant thing you're never done um but just being happy through it all deciding to be happy through it all and um, compassionate towards yourself and, and other people, it, it really can just cultivate like the, the best life that um, you could possibly live. Mm, I love that. Um, Kiara, thank you so much for your time today and for pouring into us. Mm. I greatly appreciate you sharing your story. It's been amazing. Yeah. And um, I can't wait to share this with with the world. I'm thank you as well. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me this space 
to just be myself and tell my story and um, help in, in any way that I can and just relate to other people. Well, all right, all right. Thanks, ladies, for listening to this week's episode of Brown Girl Self-Care. I hope you enjoyed the guests that we had today. I want to thank, thank, thank Kiara for being so open with her story. I think a lot of times we... I think this her her message was important today because I think a lot of times we think that we are alone in the, the issues and challenges that we face as young women and young adults. I think a lot of us can identify with pretty much everything that she touched upon, be it um, student debt for college, right? That's a huge issue that we face right now. Also, humbling yourself and and having to move back in with a parent after you've already moved out on your own and you're doing your own thing. Um, like I said in the episode, that isn't something that I'm in a position to do right now. I just I just can't. But that is something that we also face. Um, and also being able to meet your parents where they are. Um, sometimes they just you have to strike your own path. And that's perfectly fine. Just like whatever they need to do is perfectly fine for them. But the fact that she was able to meet her parents where they are and still move forward with a relationship that was not toxic for her, to me, was a huge part of this episode. It spoke volumes to me um, and showed me some areas where I can, you know, do a little bit better. Um, and then also how she shared with us just as a young woman setting boundaries when it came to her sex life and figuring things out. I think that's also something that we can uh, kind of reflect on and make sure that we are doing things the way that we want to do them, because that's a huge part of self-care, right? for sure. So again, special shout out and thanks to my guest. If you'd like to uh, connect with her, I'll be sure to put her information in today's show notes. And um, before I wrap up, I'd like to ask you if you could please, if you don't mind, uh, once this podcast episode ends, if you would be so kind as to head on over to iTunes and rate the show five stars. When you do that, you help out the show considerably because it, 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 it somehow boosts the show in iTunes uh, rank and that hopefully will get more eyes like yours on the episode on the show. So you're helping me by spreading the word and I greatly appreciate that. So with that said, that is it for today's episode. I will see you next Monday with a new episode of Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. If you need to reach me, feel free to shoot me an email at connect at browngirlselfcare.com. Again, connect at browngirlselfcare.com. And that is it for today. I'll see you next week. Bye.